You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Good afternoon, Joe. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. It is That's great good. to catch up and chat again. Yes. Well, we haven't been in the same place. We've been at the same conference, but in different locations. That's right. Just <laughs> down in uh, Reach, Australia, uh, tuning in online for me and uh, you there physically at yes. the, uh, the main site. Yeah, it yes. was a great conference. It was good. And we're going to be hearing more about Reach Australia over time because we're going to be partnering with Reach Australia from now on with this podcast. So stay tuned if you've yeah. been listening along. Indeed. Mm. Now, Joe, what uh, what's been going on in your world? What do you want to share with us today? <laughs> well, I've always enjoyed your um, things that Andy says <laughs> stuff, and I thought, okay, I've been out on the farm last week. I'm going to um, have some phrases or some words, mm-hmm. and I'm going to see whether you understand what I'm talking about when I say. Oh, <laughs> this sounds so fun! I can't wait. Let's go. All right. So, if I was to say I had a few feet come off today, so I'll need to fix that before going out again tomorrow. What am I talking about? I had a few feet come off today, so I'll need to fix that mm. before going out again tomorrow. Wow. Probably not your physical feet. No. Um, <laughs> is something to do with f- something on the tractor? Yeah, you're right. B- bits of tractor has fallen off? <laughs> bits of a plow. Oh, okay. So the tractor, the tractor doesn't have feet. A plow has feet. Right. But they don't look like like a foot. They look like a um, basically the, an arrowhead but bigger and they're made of a heavy steel um, and they they dig into the ground to move yep. through the ground and plough. Anyway, Wonderful. so I would hear I that it. regularly. Oh, I had a few feet come off. I'll just need to fix that before <laughs> I go out tomorrow. I had no idea. Okay, <laughs> that's great. All right, now I have a double one. So mm-hmm. there are two different uses for the word float, and mm-hmm. I want to see if you can tell me what I, I'm saying. So the first okay. one is the float was busted. That's the first thing I would used to hear it all the time. Dad would say, yeah, the float was busted. Mm-hmm. And the other one was, she wasn't interested in getting in the float. <laughs> what are this we talking is really about? Hard. Is the float <laughs> something in a dam that tells you if it's full or not? <laughs> Very close. A da- it's a float is in a trough. So you feed water through a pipeline into a trough and uh, the yeah. float is a, a mechanism where once it floats up to a certain level, the water stops flowing into the trough, the trough is full. But if uh, the float yeah. goes down, the water starts filling up again. And if the tr- if the float is busted, that means – it's not stopping the water from flowing. There's going to be water everywhere. It's going to okay. be lots of mud. You'll see lots of green grass when there's a, a float busted. Yep. And often you have to go and find some way of fixing it. Dad to get some pliers out and some wire out <laughs> and start fixing things. And oh, wow. Fun. Yep. What the about one- the she wasn't interested in getting in the float? In the float. Is it like a wagon or something? <laughs> it is a horse float. So horses travel oh, in a right. horse trailer. You can call yes. it a trailer, but a trailer. it's also called a horse float. And so I don't know why that is, <laughs> but if I was to see a car driving along with a horse in one of those kind of roundy-topped yeah, horse carriers, yeah, that's called a horse float. Oh, cool. Yeah, and horses is- would sometimes decide, I don't really want to go into the float today. I mean, we didn't have particularly well-trained ho- mm. horses at, yeah. in some ways, but they'd be like, no, I'm not going in. And so dad would be like, oh, she wasn't interested in getting in the float today. Ah, right. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Okay, two more. Okay. Um, this is the next phrase. That's a new pole Hereford bull. It looks really good. That's a new pole Hereford bull. What does the word pole mean? Uh, it it uh, it likes hanging around poles. <laughs> 
And by poll, I mean P-O-L-L. Oh, this still doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> it, it won a popularity contest. No. So a Hereford is a breed of bull, if you, a breed of mm-hmm. um, cow, if anyone doesn't yep. know. Um, a poll means that they have been bred to have no horns. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Did not so, know that. Yeah. So you can have a pole merino sheep. A merino is a kind of sheep and you can have pole merinos, which means they've been bred to have no horns. And so when you say, oh, that's a really nice pole Hereford um, yeah, yeah. bull, you're yeah. buying a bull that has a bloodline that over the years have bred out the horns. Yeah. I'm feeling like such a city boy here, Joe. <laughs> well, the final one is a, a Clark classic. My family mm-hmm. love to say this. Um so I used this phrase last week. Um, we'll just need to check he'll make it over the woe boys. <laughs> we'll just need to check he'll, he'll make, make it, it over the woe boys. Uh, is a woe boy like a speed hump or something in a f- farm? Or a, a, Yes, a that's gra- exactly right. Is? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> One from four or five or something. <laughs> so you go, so we have a semi-trailer. We're looking to get it through the farm. You create water like um, water channels off the road so you can drive mm-hmm. along the road even if it's wet by creating humps in the road with the soil. Yeah. And we would call them woe boys. He's like, whoa, you went over that woe boy fast, woe boy. <laughs> I see. That makes a lot of sense. Does anyone else use these words or is that a particular Joe Clark family um I'm not Same. sure. I'm really not sure. I've always <laughs> called them woe boys. I've never heard anyone else use that. So yeah. who yeah. knows? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing farm talk. I hope yeah. there is more to come on uh, farm words. I have uh, lots with more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that's really good. We'll have to come back to them next time. What about you, Richard? You've been getting oh. into burger sauce or something, haven't oh, you? Oh, no, no. This, I can, <laughs> this one I can cover very briefly. Did you know there was such a thing as cheese dipping sauce for a burger? What? No. I know. See, Reach Australia Conference, we were out. The team wanted to go for burgers uh-huh. and uh, somebody got a bowl of melted cheese or a cheese sauce to dip their burger in. And uh, <laughs> I was thinking here in the podcast, thinking I should have had a go just for the experience to share with our listeners. But uh, I got cold feet. I couldn't go the <laughs> dip a whole burger in the cheese kind of thing. So have I'm, you ever- I'm picturing a burger with quite a great deal of cheese. It's quite a big bowl of cheese, I'm guessing. A huge bowl. Like it is just coated in cheese. So um, – <laughs> This is a phenomena that I'm sure this is an experience. Um, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, I pulled back. But I think next time I will go for it just so I can share with you and our listeners what it's like to so the person eating it, dip your did whole they, burger Did in. they love it? Uh, there was moderate. Yeah, I wouldn't say they raved. It was an adventure <laughs> for them as well. <laughs> the things you do when you go to Sydney. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's move on, Joe, because I'm keen to hear about what you're reading in the Bible. Yes. Um, what's going on there? Well, um, one of the great things we read at Reach Australia was Isaiah 61, and mm-hmm. um, we heard that brought um, taught to us, and it was so great. If you want to watch um, the sermons, I'm sure they'll be online down the track. Um, but I'll just read the first um, two uh, first verse, I should say. Um, no, first two verses, I think, because they really yep. struck me. Uh, so this is Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. That was from um, to partway through verse 3. Yeah. Um, and 
it was such a simple point, but it really stood out to me. And I, so I was rereading it again this morning about yeah. how um, we have a hope in a God who sends someone who has the spirit um, to bind up broken hearts and offer freedom um, mm. to, to people in captivity and yeah. in darkness, uh, that darkness being, you know, the brokenness of our world and the sin in our world and just mm. unrelenting expectation of death, all of those things mm. Mm. and all of that being a reflection of a brokenness in our relationship with God because we've rebelled against God. Yeah. And so the idea that we have hope in uh, someone who God has sent, a saviour with the spirit, who's going to bind up our hearts, mm. Mm, it was just such a comforting truth and I really enjoyed rereading it. So, yeah, mm. yeah, simple but beautiful. But yeah, that the spirit is there, and mm. obviously this is fulfilled in Jesus, who has yeah. come. Uh, yeah, in the message of comfort and rescue, and mm. yeah, that. Mm. Um, and it's sometimes easy, I think, for me when I'm reading books like Isaiah to just think, "Oh yeah, I've heard that before," mm. because y- you hear these kinds of passages quoted. You know, it's a famous section from Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. But um the idea that God binds up broken hearts, I'm picture like the image I have in my head, because sometimes I picture things in my head, is um not necessarily a bandage, but some mm. kind of bringing together of a heart that was fractured. And yeah, God does together. that. Yeah, and God does that and thinking, okay, well, when will that happen? It's the wiping the tears from the eyes in Revelation mm. 21. And yeah. there are no more tears or mourning or crying or pain. And what it will look like is us standing around the throne proclaiming holy, 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 the Lord of God Almighty. Yeah, yeah. And so the binding up will be done by God as we relate with him. And I just want that to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a good passage for pastorally with suffering, right? You yeah, know, good point. A, as appropriate. But, um, yeah, I don't recall this as a passage I've gone to in reflecting no. on th- suffering or helping someone with suffering and yeah but it but it is very yeah. relevant for that yeah. yeah the sting of this the verse i read i deliberately read verse 2 was i've and i felt it in the sermon that we mm. heard and as i was rereading it even just reading out the word vengeance that the day of vengeance of of our god is coming yeah um that god doesn't let um sin go unpunished and he will deal with that with judgment yeah um i find that difficult but also right um difficult because i deserve the judgment (laughs) and i don't want people who also deserve that judgment to face it but it's also right and yeah even just talking about judgment sometimes feels discomforting but i was encouraged by the sermon no this is something we actually trust god in and we're so thankful that he doesn't let brokenness uh, let let sin go unpunished um yeah yeah mm, but the word vengeance is very confronting yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow. No, cool. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. So, Isaiah 61. Yeah, I, I mean, I like reading passages after they've been preached, like just oh, spending yeah. the next time in them. Do you do that? Uh, oh, not as much as I could. It's a good yeah. idea, though. Oh, I yeah. find I can't get my mind off them, and I don't really want to go back to what I was doing before because I'm still <laughs> excited about the thing I learned just before. And I, yeah. yeah. So I, probably the only way I ever really follow up after conferences. <laughs> I find He's moving. going to look in the Bible. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah. What a great idea. Yeah, mm. keep looking at the passage you looked at in the conference. Yeah, because yeah, often it's really stirring preaching and you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what have you been thinking about or reading or? Oh, yeah, I thought I'd share with our, our, um, our uh, 
Now, listen, there's a great book I read. Um, it was a few weeks ago now. I finished it, but uh, it's called Christianity and Liberalism by J. Ooh. Gresham Matchin. And uh, this, uh, I came across this book in an article somewhere. It might have been a Gospel Coalition thing or, you know, mm. I just picked it up. Uh, but it's actually an old book. So J. Gresham Matchin, you can probably tell by the name. Um, mm. He lived 1881 to 1937 and was a professor for many years at Princeton Seminary in New okay. Jersey. Yep. And then um, after sort of Christian liberalism, I think had a negative impact on Princeton, went and founded Westminster Theological Seminary in oh, Pennsylvania, uh, yep. which I have heard of and a little bit about. And he published this book in 1923 about Christianity and liberalism. Mm. And uh, oh, it caught my eye just because it was a nice, simple, clear title and someone had recommended it. And I thought, yeah, that'd be good. And uh, liberalism, I don't know um, how much our liberal listeners will know, but it's kind of a movement connected within Christianity, from Christianity, that um, seeks to preserve some of the good, nice things about Christianity, mm. like uh, God and love and salvation and things like that, but move away from uh, what the Bible teaches. Mm. Uh, and um, so, uh, but it had... It was a very strong influence around the time of when J. Gresham Matchin was teaching, mm. and it, it, it sort of remains an influence in our hearts in some ways and mm. around the world still. And uh, what so it's kind of really nice to read an old book of someone who's wrestling with it when it's really very dominant, very powerful. relevant, yeah. Uh, and he just sort of does a bit of intro and then runs through a number of doctrines like um, God, uh, doctrine of the Bible, got doctrine of Christ, salvation, and the church, mm. and just shows. Um, one of his big, big points is that we, should, we shouldn't be thinking of uh, liberalism as a, a, a branch of Christianity, but really quite a different religion. Mm. Um, so I'll share just a few quotes here. Um, he says, uh, we'll should, we shall be interested in showing that despite the liberal use of traditional phraseology, modern liberalism not only is a different religion from Christianity, but belongs in a totally different class of religions. Mm. So it really gets on the front foot. Yes. And uh, in some ways, he's a bit apologetic about having to sort of dispute. You know, often authors like to just write on the positive, mm. but he's uh, committed to defending. Mm. And he says, uh, the great little quote here, he says, here, as in many other departments of life, it appears that the things that are sometimes thought to be hardest to defend are also the things that are most worth defending. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, so things like the, the reliability of the Bible or the divinity of Christ or the resurrection. Uh, he's like, yep, these are worth defending. Yes. Wow. Uh, Keep going. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Okay, so just for an example, so um, coming out of the doctrine of uh, of um, the uh, of uh, humanity, um, he's uh, he critiques liberalism as as doing in this funny task of calling good people to repentance. Uh, so, because um, one of the things of liberalism <laughs> is that people are fundamentally good, and he says it's very hard for that. So he says a quote here: Funda "The fundamental fault of the modern church is that she is busily engaged in an absolutely impossible task. She is busily <laughs> engaged in calling the righteous to repentance." Um, and wow. So he says, "Look, the preacher gets up into the pulpit, opens the Bible, and addresses the congregation somewhat as follows: You people are very good," he says. You respond to every appeal that looks toward the welfare of the community. Now we have in the Bible, especially in the life of Jesus, something so good, we believe it is good enough even for you good people, such as modern <laughs> preaching. <laughs> and so uh, just that was an example. of. And so actually, even as he critiques things, uh, I find it actually quite refreshing because he's mm. yeah, teaching good doctrine. And mm. it, it makes immediate sense. Yes, we 
you know, people aren't good because we're calling yes. them to repent at those connections. So I just thought that was a good example. And every chapter was, uh, yeah, had, had lively little quotes like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it gave me a greater confidence in um, biblical evangelical um, Christianity. And that's the test of a good book, isn't it, that it makes you think true things about the truth and encourages you to see what's not truth um, from God's Word. Mm. Oh, I love that. Do you think um, it's the kind of thing anyone could read or is it a bit hard to access in terms of its when it was written? No, it's it's quite easy to read. I oh, think, wow. yeah, there's Great. not too much. There's not much technical language. It's, uh, yeah, he's he's preaching to the he's writing to the uh, the the interested Christian. Um, yeah, cool. So, uh, and you can just imagine he, you know, he lived this. He had to, I imagine, leave his job in mm. in, in separating himself from people who were saying, "Yeah, we're the same. We're the same. We're Christians." And he's saying, "No, we're absolutely not the same. And I'm going to yeah, separate yeah. from you and be disunified with you." Um, yeah. Wow. And he's li- living in an age where the big churches were liberal, the big colleges were liberal. Yeah. yeah he would have, he's writing from a minority position. Yeah. Um, but proclaiming so, the truth. I love yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Thankful to God for so, our brother, brother who <laughs> what, died in 1937. 1937. Thankful for him. That's right. It was mm. good. Oh, great book, Richard. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. No worries. It has been fantastic chatting with you today, Joe. Mm-hmm. I've learned some farm terms. <laughs> I need an opportunity to put them into practice. And, Just look for uh, a horse float on the road. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, looking into uh, passages after conferences, Isaiah 61, mm-hmm. and uh, a book there. I'll put those notes in the show notes. Yeah. And I was also going to say if uh, any of our listeners have questions, uh, comments, thoughts about um, the podcast, we'd love to hear them. Mm-hmm. And uh you can send those to homegrownfaith at hunterbiblechurch.org. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Joe and myself will do our best to uh, yeah, respond and engage. Yeah. Well, great chatting to you, Richard. Have a good arvo. You too. And mm. uh, we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Bye.